TBCC episode 50, my realization of the day. I once had a podcast back in 2016 to 2017, back before pods were big again, and I oftentimes keep thinking about, you know, if I kept it going, where would I be? You know, I missed out on doing it for years, and I kind of had the hop on it for a minute, but I was so happy that um, the panorama happened and I was able to start this podcast and um, have made it way further than the last podcast even made it. The last one didn't even make it 25 episodes, so it is incredible that I've been able to do 50 episodes of the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. Um, we've had so many special guests and awesome conversations, and including the one that we will be having today. So I just want to thank you guys for listening to the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. And now, let's start the show. Yes, 50 times, every time. That's the way we start the show here on the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. Welcome is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram. And this is the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. It is a horror podcast where we talk about our favorite movies within the horror genre, but then we break it down a little bit further into subgenres. And usually, every episode, um, we have a selection of movies centered around a theme um, for the month. And um, releases got kind of wonky, and I took a little bit of a hiatus for a minute. It's all kinds of uh, wonky, but that's okay, because no matter how I got there, we made it to 50 episodes, guys. And I am uh, super uh, happy about that. Um, Before this last hiatus, that's about the only like long break I've taken in between. I've been fairly consistent. I missed a few weeks here and there, but I also made up with some um, double release weeks as well. And um, since starting this in June, um, it definitely has been really great to take a look at some of the movies that I already love in a little different way. But then I've also watched uh, quite a few movies for the first time uh, via the podcast as well that I fell in love with. And um, just um, so grateful for all the conversations I've had with all the uh, wonderful guests that I've had in the past. And speaking of wonderful guests, I have quite a few of them here today. We have a three-guest episode. I don't think I've done that here yet. And um, these are all familiar voices. These are uh, guests that have been on the podcast before um, for the 50th episode. Want to bring back people that have helped make Blay Blunt Cinema Club what it is, the amazing guests that come on the show. So I have three of them. They're all across the pond from me. Um, that just kind of happened. Um, so we have a nice little smorgasbord here. Um, so to go ahead and introduce them, we will start, of course, with ladies first. We have um, the host of the Zobo with a Shotgun podcast. Um, she came on to talk some extreme horrors. Um, a, a back in the found footage month, uh, we talked Megan is missing and be my cat, which both, uh, that episode was actually like, is still the most popular episode of the podcast. Um, 
uh, to date because we like released it like right when everybody was talking about Megan is missing and just like kind of worked out really uh, perfect. And um, and she also just uh, started her own online magazine, The Ghouls Magazine. Welcome, Zoe Smith. Thank you for having me back. I'm very, uh, very excited. Yes, uh, so happy to have you back. You bring uh, such class and gravitas, and you are the sole lady. Um, we were supposed to have another lady on, but then things happened. So it's Zoe and the boys today. That is uh, the name of this band that we're going to start <laughs> after we finish this podcast. <laughs> and then um, we also have a good buddy of mine. Um, we've uh, done multiple podcasty things together. Uh, this guest was a guest on my past podcast, uh, the Jesus Take the Real podcast uh, back in the day. So um, I've known this cat for such a long time. We always have really great conversations uh, working on things together. Uh, we have the Scotsman, Nolan Dean. I love how you said that you were going to have a lady on this and then instead you got me. And then, and then I got you, I got you. But I mean, look at those, those, you guys can't see these luscious locks, but I mean, if you, uh, male or female, you would be quite jealous. Um, if you, if you saw what we were looking at here. So thank you so much for coming on again. Um, well, I am non-binary, so I'm neither. So exactly. We are all just humans existing in this pod space and we love it we love it so much i'm always glad to have you on um nolan was on for the um the halloween episode um we we marathoned just about all the halloween movies back in october um definitely the most movies we've talked in an episode until today because we're going to talk a lot of them today um, so yes, thank you again, Nolan. And then last but not least, um, we have the American that's in the Netherlands. So he's so we it's a very even mix. So we do have half and half of um, of uh, international and Americans here. Um, he was on um, not too long ago in February um, when we were talking love and relationships. And uh, he introduced me to May, which was has got to be one of my favorite first time watches of the past year. Like, I love that movie so much. I watched it again not too long ago because I was just like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, um, so I, I love it when uh, guests have come on in the past and brought me awesome recommendations that like I, of movies that I hadn't seen. And um, we had a such a wonderful conversation the last time. So welcome back, Mr. Chandler Bullock. Thank you so much. Honored to be back and absolutely honored that you uh, picked up that recommendation and went with it hard, man. Yeah, yeah. I always I always like a good, a good surprise. And uh, and we and we really got into like the nitty gritty of like the uh, subgenre stuff in that episode, too, which was um, which was a blast. You know, the centerpiece of this podcast. And so the what we're going to do today for this uh, 50th episode is um, we're, we're kind of just going to talk about horror today. Um, um, it kind of in the fashion of, you know, what how big is the umbrella of the horror genre? Like, that's the way I kind of like to think of it. Um, I, I don't like the term gatekeeping, um, but it's a, it's a hot subject. Um, uh, even as of lately, people were 
uh, tweeting about it a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I don't know. I like to think of myself and this podcast as like trying to be the opposite. Like I'm trying to like trying to stretch the genre like as much as possible. Like I don't want to like it, it, anything that I can put in the genre world or horror realm like or to be able to spin it in that way like that's some things that I'm interested in you know I've done that on a few episodes in the past like we've talked about uh like Parasite I've talked American Psycho or or Donnie Darko these are movies like you know are they necessarily horror or not uh who's to say um but I mean I did cover those on a podcast and I have some other um films coming up in the future that will definitely flirt on the is this horror or not um but i'm not focused on what's not horror i'm focused on what is horror so um there are many many films out there that are highly debated um amongst the horror community whether or not they're horror whether uh horror versus thriller are thrillers horror who so that's kind of what we're gonna talk about today um, but to uh, kind of set a baseline before we get into this list of movies we're going to talk about, um, I want to get like a like I said a baseline from all the guests today, and um, I want to know to you what makes a horror movie horror. So let's start with Chandler. Okay. Um, so to me, a horror film, I suppose, would be any film that tries to tell some sort of an emotional story while focusing on fear as a major aspect of it. So whether that means that it's the fear of the audience watching the film or the Mm -hmm. fear of the characters as they develop whatever story they're trying to get through, you know, some sort of story arc that is related to fear, which can be broad uh, and can be messy and and fuzzy, which I'm sure we're going to talk about quite extensively here in a moment. (laughs) But that would be my uh, general definition for, you know, it, it's there's tropes and there's a lot of imagery. But I do think it, at the end of the day, for me, it comes down to is there an element of fright somewhere in there? OK, OK. Um, I, I definitely would say I'm in in a similar camp, like anything that is used to it, it, like purposefully to induce fear is what I will add to a piggyback off of yours. Like, is it are, are they using this purposefully to invoke fear is um, something that I usually find myself um, questioning whenever I'm looking at something, whether it's a horror movie or not. And uh, what about you, Zoe? Um, I guess quite similar, actually, in terms of it needs to evoke some form of, of fear when you're watching. But I would actually say that perhaps also it could go down the route of something that's not necessarily always uh, personally frightening. Um, I think it definitely also pertains to things like, um, you know, disgust or distress. Or I think for me, it's any kind of emotion which is not necessarily seen as a a nice emotion because there's certainly also horror films that you know make me feel very sad and depressed but they don't necessarily scare me so perhaps it's emotions that are typically seen as uh negative yeah and and that's very much why i wanted to have you on this episode because zoe spends a lot of time with extreme horror in the extreme horror realm and that's um, one of the subgenres that is very debated on where the, a lot of the movies in that subgenre, whether 
or not their horror, not, um, you know, whether it be like something like a Serbian film or a solo or something like that, you know, where do these films lie? And I like that you uh, mentioned disgust. And that's something that I've realized like kind of recently is like something that like is something that will make me loop something into horror as well. Like, um, especially, uh, whenever I was covering a lot of the, uh, J horror movies, um, you know, like that would be something that would stick out to me. Just like, is that just like, so like gross and nasty that it like makes me, you know, like have that, that like guttural feel or does it make me like some like, does it make me want to turn away? So it's like, even that might not be fear, but it's also just like a form of just like, um, I don't know, evoking an emotion still, you know? So, um, definitely, um, lots to talk about in that realm for sure. And, uh, what about you, Nolan? So, uh, I'm also in a similar account to Chandler and Zoa. Coming from a writer perspective, I think any horror movie is anything that explores fear. And with that, also, I think what horror has in its advantage over like other genres is that it kind of allows your imagination to go wild. Like you can mm-hmm. explore fear in so many different ways. And there are some movies, I think, because horror is still considered, I think, taboo for the general audience. I mean, like we're obviously big horror fans, but there are still adults out there who think like, oh, I don't watch horror because it's too distressing. I don't want to get myself involved in that stuff. And I've always been of the mindset that horror doesn't always have to be R-rated. Like, I would consider Coraline to be a horror film in the same way. Like, if you're going to have Poltergeist as a horror film, then I think Coraline also comes in that same kind of vein as well. Something like Jaws, that to me is a horror film, because not only is it exploring the fear of the shark, but also Brody's fear of the water, him getting over that fear. And I wish horror could be looked at as more of an accessible way for kids to explore fear safely. And this is probably going to get the one million mums crowd to immediately come to your podcast and hate me. But (laughs) I would be okay with showing a kid a horror film, like if I was there with them, if they wanted to grow and understand what fear is. Because when you raise kids essentially to think horror is only for adults, I think you're kind of, you're taking away an aspect of life from them that they might get distressed by later in life if they don't watch it. So, and I'm assuming we all watched horror as kids behind our parents' back, and look, we turned out Mm -hmm. great. So that's kind of where I'm at on it. Uh, Horror is anything that explores fear. It's seen as taboo now, but I wish it wasn't. Yeah. um, From coming from somewhere that was, like, definitely raised on horror pretty young and had, you know, adults to, like, kind of walk me through it, you know, um, definitely made an impact on my horror sensibilities, because, like, I've learned, you know, as as it's gone on, you know, there's not a lot of movies that, like, really scare me anymore. But it's like, can I find the movies that, you know, um, manipulate my emotion in a negative way, I think is, like, maybe a general, like, term to where how I look at horror. Um, because um, all, all films are trying to emotionally manipulate you in some way. But uh, horror movies specifically, you know, tend to explore stories and themes in a, you know, you doing that and then, you know, manipulating the more uh, negative emotions of the human spectrum, if that makes sense. Ah, my tea is too hot from the canister. 
I've been pouring it from the canister into uh, into a cup, but then I just took it straight from the canister and I burnt my lips. So we got lots of movies to talk about here today, and I kind of I grouped them into three little sections here. Um, I got the big ones um, that these are the movies that I've seen in conversation get debated the most whether or not they are horror movies or not. And then I have a a selection of directors whose filmography is usually debated upon whether um, if they're a horror director or not. And then I have a a list of submissions uh, from Twitter. Uh, I asked everybody on Twitter, um, what are the movies that you see debated amongst the most and um, how they felt about it? And it got a lot of really fun answers from that. So... Um, we're going to go ahead and dive into it. So um, I explained it to the guests before we started, but I'm just going to um, introduce a movie and then one of the guests will be able to just chime in and make a case uh, whether or not that movie is or is not a horror movie. So um, in the in the big ones category, um, the first one is the one that I think I see the most and have seen the most debate, and it's an interesting one because of why it's debated, you know, whether it's horror or not, and I think it kind of boils down to just because this was a, this was a Oscar movie, and we know that people don't like uh, to give horror movies awards, so it's like, you know, people are like, no, this was like a prestige drama movie, and, but, but they don't want to admit it's a horror movie for some reason, and that's Silence of the Lambs. Um, so, um, I, like I said, I've seen this one come up probably the most and it's a, it's an interesting one to me. So who, who has a case for Silence of the Lambs? Go on then. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put my case forward. And the, the short answer of my, my case is that anything that talks about goddamn cannibals is pretty much in the horror category there's nothing quite as horrifying as cannibals in my opinion um and i listen to a lot of serial killer podcasts and read a lot of things about uh serial killers and i think everyone is always horrified at the taboo of eating another human person and yes maybe silence of the lambs is perhaps a little bit um less explicit in the way that it shows it but it's certainly terrifying and very very psychologically um frightening and yeah you have Hannibal he's a cannibal I mean come on (laughs) um yes like that is one thing that's for me I'm like I'm like if you because I I think in when you're uh examining certain movies like there's like certain things that like you know might be on your checkbox that be like if it includes this this is definitely horror i mean and if you have a cannibalistic murderer then then yeah like i don't know how i mean and and you have buffalo bill in there too um who is absolutely terrifying and in in such a weird way you know like i know sometimes that scene has been looked at and has been kind of memed upon now and but at the same time, it's like when you when like in the context of the film and like when you're watching that for the first time, especially uh, back when it was uh, released in 1991, um, you know, it, it's a terrifying movie, 
But I mean, it, it be just because of the subject matter, you know, but just because you're not seeing a lot doesn't mean that it's not in the horror camp. I mean, this movie is like 80% conversation. Like that's, that's, that's the movie for the most part. And, but at the same time, still terrifying. Anthony Hopkins, um, is so scary in this movie, like definitely, uh, in the horror camp for me, but I, I've seen it debated amongst. So like, uh, Zoe, why do you think it is debated that it's not horror? I think because it probably doesn't conform to the the typical tropes of horror. Um, I think, you know, people are so keen to be like, well, you have to check, you know, five of these predefined uh, boxes in order for a, a film to fit into the mold of horror. Um, but I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily true just because, you know, you don't have someone going around with a knife stalking someone doesn't mean that it's not um, sustained terror and threat throughout the entire film I mean the conversations they have are absolutely terrifying to hear you know someone talk that way and have that mindset so I think it's um I think it's it goes back to that kind of thriller versus horror and I think a lot of crime films often fall more towards you know kind of drama Mm -hmm. uh, they just focus on like the detective poking around things and you know doing a bit of paperwork but this is this is a conversation with a cannibal and also you know looking at buffalo bill who is a serial killer it's not it's not kind of you know it's not like a slasher film or anything but um you know it definitely has some of those horror tropes just perhaps not all of them yeah uh, for sure, like there's um, the the crime subgenre definitely has a lot of gray area. Um, again, we got into that a lot, like the J horror month, um, and we'll get into that a little bit more um, in the director section. But yeah, um, you know, when it comes to like crime and taking that realism, it's um, you know, that's kind of something that for me personally is like like make me think about something as horror or not, um, just because like that's horror that I enjoy is the more fantastical, more, you know, um, outside the realism world. So that's, um, something I think about when debating, but this next one, um, is similar, um, very, um, realistic. Um, this movie back in 1975 came out and, um, I mean, it was, you know, the birth of blockbusters and the director of this movie also kind of plays in a lot of films, you know, whether or not they're horror or not. Um, and of course I'm talking Jaws. Um, this movie is, I mean, it's a classic, it's a masterpiece. Is it a horror movie? I already know who's going to talk about this one. Not only is it a horror movie, it's a perfect horror movie. It uh, Jaws for me has so much that I love about horror. It has like the sort of thrill ride of going on a horror adventure. It has the slasher kills. It has the tension. It has that great score. And what really makes it work for me is that performance of Roy Scheider as Chief Brody. He easily could have been like a Charlton Heston or an Arnold Schwarzenegger or one of those like big action stars, but no, Roy Scheider is an everyman and the world of Amity Island. It feels like it, it feels like your neighborhood. These all feel like just regular people and everything. The fact that, that the shark never worked on the set kind of plays into the movie's favor because you don't see it a lot. 
and something I think Jaws does that not a lot of other horror films do is for the first half, it's very much like a classic horror film. You're going through the kills and finding out who the threat is. And then the second half turns into this horror adventure. So it's more along the lines of like what would come in like Jurassic Park and everything. And you can just look at the influence Jaws has had on the horror genre. And I'm not talking about the ripoffs that came from it, like Grizzly and everything, where it's just Jaws with a bear or Jaws with a killer whale, for God's sake. That actually exists. You can look it up. <laughs> but things like Alien and Halloween and The Thing, they all feel very influenced by Jaws. And in turn, those movies also go on to influence horror in other ways. Alien takes it in the more like sort of cosmic horror direction. Thing... The thing kind of does it in a more fantastical horror correction. Then Halloween, which to me has always felt like Jaws in a neighborhood with Michael Myers acting as the shark. That's like a Jaws meets almost a crime thriller, but still it takes that more of a slasher angle. So yeah, I definitely think Jaws is a horror film. You know, it's I, I think it's easy to dismiss Jaws as maybe, you know, or not not thinking it as as big of a horror movie to some, I would guess would be um because it's one it's like kind of like two movies the the first half is just like this like hangout movie in this in this beach town and it's like you know and you're just hanging out with the characters and then once it actually you know focuses on the the boys when they go out to sea and go looking for Bruce well they don't call him Bruce but he was called Bruce on the set but this is like one of the ones I've heard of people would say, you know, I don't like horror movies, but I like suspense movies. And I'm like, mm. I mean, I mean, building suspense is, you know, again, it's like manipulating the audience, putting you in this position of, you know, on the edge of your seat, you know, like looking around, you know, searching the frame for like, you know, what what is going on in this scene. And Jaws is kind of the blueprint for that in a lot of ways. Uh, it's also like, you know, kind of how Nolan compared it to like certain movies like Halloween or the thing. Um, it's like kind of like the go-to when you're doing an elevator pitch, it's like if it was Jaws, but it's this instead in this setting, you know, it's like, that's, you know, how to pitch so many movies. And I forget which YouTube channel it was, but someone mentioned it in a video and they like highlighted how many times people will use the Jaws comparisons and pull quotes, especially on like DVD and video coverage. It'll be like, this movie will do for uh, bears what Jaws did for the ocean. And like, it is like, they had this like montage of it and it's used so many times. Um, But all in all, I mean, it, and, and Jaws, Jaws is a, it, it's a, creature feature i was gonna say monster but it's a creature feature um in, in my eyes because i mean the shark it's bigger than the average shark you know that would typically exist um uh sharks actually don't like hunt people they don't go out of their way to kill people there are more people in the world that are killed by domestic dogs than sharks per year so Put some respect on sharks' names. But uh, Jaws, definitely a horror movie. And then um, out of a couple of these other big names, so I got two, and I'll let Chandler pick which one he wants to talk about. Um, we have a, another Steven Spielberg movie, 
in Jurassic Park. And then we also have David Fincher's Seven. Oh, goodness. They're also like they overlap so well with all of the others. I'm going to pick Jurassic Park just because I think it's one that is talked about enough in terms of horror. And it's actually something I've been talking about with my girlfriend not too long ago and quite often in how it is a horror film. I remember recently she won a poster from Universal Studios. It's one of those random contests you can do on the Internet of fill out this survey and win a prize. And then lo and behold, they gave her like a two-sided poster that was like some tiles and one side is Jaws and the other side is Jurassic Park. And she described it to me like, guess what I got? And said, uh, I just guessed a bunch of things. Like, is it like a movie thing? She said, yes, it is. Is it horror related? And she paused and we went, yes. <laughs> and she's like 50% for sure. <laughs> That's kind of what she said. So she's definitely team Jaws. Mm -hmm. um, but with Jurassic Park, it's not talked about enough. But if you look at all of the stuff that Spielberg perfected in Jaws, he took to the next level with Jurassic Park. You know, the whole opening sequence with the velociraptors, you can't really see what's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if it's a dinosaur that's in that cage. We just see a man get lifted up and we know he's getting ripped in half. And because of all the little touches of violence here and there, I feel it's like a nice kind of kids horror film to a degree. It's a, a gateway into being exhilarated to the degree that you're uncomfortable while also showing different characters find out different aspects of themselves throughout the process, which is that kind of final act of Jaws kind of thrown into Jurassic Park throughout the whole film. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally team horror on Jurassic Park side. Oh yeah. Like um, it's, it kind of touches on like some of the stuff that Nolan was talking about, um, you know, as far as, you know, making something accessible for kids and um you know, people will kind of jump to this one not being horror. They're like, it's a family movie. And it's like, okay, but yes. Um, but it's also dinosaurs killing people. Uh, dinosaurs are in the monster category, I would say. Um, and yeah, it's a lot more violent than you remember it. But the way that they shoot it, though, um, is really great. Uh, I mean, the gold standard for chase scenes... Um, I mean, just so, so good. Um, uh, so many like really, really great tent scenes, uh, the scene in the, in the kitchen with the Raptors, like is, I remember as a kid, that scene always like put me on the edge of my seat, but I like loved watching it. Um, uh, so yeah, Spielberg again, he, he floats around in this territory a lot and I would like Spielberg to return to the horror world like now. Like we haven't we haven't gotten that in a long time, and I think it'd be interesting to see what he could do with um lots of money, and uh, let him let him make something let him make a thirty million dollar horror movie why not fifty million dollar they don't do that anymore, so uh, so leaving me with seven um seven uh we we kind of talked about you know crime, and the way it overlaps into into um into horror. And with this, with this movie, uh, I get why people, it, cause it's a bad sell as a horror movie. When you think about seven, it, it sells a lot better as a, as a crime drama. Um, you're like, you know, Brad Pitt's in it. You got Morgan Freeman's in it. You got that one man. Um, and it's, <laughs> and, um, when you, when you kind of think of it in that way, but like try to pitch it to a horror fan as, Hey, 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 you want to watch this slasher movie, but 
you don't get to see it. He's already done it. Like, he he's already done the slashing. They're dead already. And then it's like, oh, well, that sounds really boring. But that's what this movie is, you know? And, yeah, what's up, Chandler? Well, I was just thinking by that logic, then the whole Saw franchise would have a really big problem, wouldn't it? Considering the first Saw has a lot of just, hey, we found this dead body wrapped in barbed wire, and it's really terrible, isn't it? Exactly. Um, Saw, the Saw franchise, I mean, you could, you know, I've seen some people debate, but maybe not as much just because in its gratuitous nature that Saw, but uh, when you think about, yeah, especially the first Saw, which is definitely trying to be seven, you know, it's, it, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't sell well, but I mean, but just because of some of the imagery that we get in seven, um, just the, the, the nature of it. And I think it's, you know, um, when it plays to specific fears of people, you know, um, people that, you know, people that are Christians that maybe watch this movie and are kind of more familiar with, you know, some of the background elements that they're, you know, attaching to the movie can induce fear in that person more than someone else or vice versa. Um, but it is definitely, um, very, very scary. Like, um, in the way it's presented, I think it, this is like definitely one of the big movies of like, is this just a movie with lots of horror elements in it or is it a true horror movie? But the way that it is presented, the way it uses its imagery, um, I definitely put it in that category for sure. Um, so that's that's where I think. And David Fincher has a couple movies that uh, could also go into that category as well. So while we're talking about directors that kind of float um, in the subgenre of gray waters, um, I picked a few. Um, so uh, this first director, I will get into it more in in a future episode or maybe even a month's worth of episodes because I'm gonna let you guys in on a secret I, I don't know maybe I have mentioned on the podcast before I can't remember but to you guys I have not seen a single David Lynch movie and 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 I don't know why and and it, it will happen and I might like I said cover David Lynch all month long, but, um, I hear his movies are pretty divisive, yeah, and, um, and David Lynch is talked about a lot when it comes to, like, imagery, um, so I assume a lot of his movies are kind of other genres, but then he uses, like, you know, he's associated with, like, surreal imagery and stuff, so, um, who's a, who's a David Lynch fan? none of us like him so none of nobody is too integral into him but um because i see like eraser head kind of seems like a horror movie maybe or uh, in twin peaks maybe not horror but in in like a genre camp uh chandler but give me some lynch thoughts yeah, I mean, I'm not super versed on it either, so I'm going to look forward to uh, going through David Lynch just alongside your adventures uh, when you when you eventually go there. Um, oddly, I've seen more, you know, things like Twin Peaks, so I've seen quite a bit of David Lynch materials, just uh, the films I haven't really, you know, dived into too heavily. Uh, Mulholland Drive I've seen, though. And uh, you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to what makes David Lynch so divisive is that it's more like 
he explores genre in taking other genres and especially the sort of offbeat genres that kind of died out in their era and then explores them through some sort of weird psychedelic nightmare realm of sorts. Mm. Uh, he's been the inspiration for a lot of other projects that were far more leaning into horror, things like Silent Hill, but it's there. But you do have a more experimental take on it. And I would say I would consider a lot of his work to be horror, but just like the other films that we've already mentioned, it's for one, the films are hard to stomach depending on your patience. And for another, it's just so out there and exploring so much of another genre that it's hard to see it as a horror film sometimes uh, with a lot of his work. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, it, he. I, I would say he only has like, you know, three that are like specifically three films that like would kind of float around in the horror genre. And it's like, I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with the guy and like, I mean, if you ask him, I don't even think he likes horror movies. Um, but you know, but who's to say he, he kind of, he, he, he lives in his own world and does his own thing. Um, and a, another director that is, you know, someone that is very, uh, uniquely original and, um, you know, you definitely can't mistake his movies for anything else. And like his movies have almost become like their own subgenre. And I would say this director is debated his filmography just because maybe a lot of his movies aren't actually scary, but do they need to be scary to be in the horror realm? Um, and that would be Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. Um, you know, he has movies such as The Sixth Sense, The Village, Signs, uh, The Visit, uh, Split even. Like, he definitely has quite a few entries, you know, in his filmography that, like, would kind of put him in the horror camp. But a lot of people, you know, don't associate him with horror, usually because some people don't think his movies are scary. Which I also would debate because he has quite a few scary, actually scary movies as well. Um, so, who's got any thoughts on the Shamhammer? So, I mean, I definitely think he comes from the park of horror. The Sixth Sense, for sure, is a horror film, and in a similar way, I this could be quite a bit of a unique take on it because uh, I know we were going to talk about Burton in this as well, but not now. But I feel The Sixth Sense is kind of similar to Burton's Edward Scissorhands in a way where I've always read Haley Joel Osment's character as I've had Canadam kind of as autistic. And that that's something that I have as well. So I think with The Sixth Sense, it comes from the sort of fear of feeling like you're alone in the world and like nobody understands your point of view. You see the world differently. You were born with something that you didn't ask for. And I feel that the movie goes really well into that. I don't know if that Shyamalan's autistic himself, but I can definitely see a lot of traits of what's it's scary, what's scary for an autistic person living in the world right now in Sixth Sense. I definitely feel Split definitely feels more of a straight-up horror film than a lot of his other work. But, uh, I mean, I haven't seen Signs or The Village in a while, but uh, Signs, I remember feeling kind of like sci-fi horror, like the pulp genre fiction of like the 50s and stuff. Mm. The Village kind of more like, uh, I don't know how you would describe The Village. It feels kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre-y for me in terms of you find a family that turns out to have more secrets than you think they have. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, with Glass, it's kind of him just going into the superhero genre and showing how horrifying that can be. So I feel he takes genres and then he gives them sort of, not so much a horror twist, but he puts little seeds of horror into them, if that makes any sense. Ah, twist. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, but yeah, I would, I would totally agree. Um, he, he likes to, I think he likes to play in the world. Like, you know, he, he will take his ideas and then kind of, um, morph them with like some of the horror sensibilities that like maybe of the films that he enjoys or that he grew up with. Um, and it's like, you know, the sixth sense, it's like, it's a, it's a ghost story, but a ghost story that doesn't really focus on it being a ghost story. Or, um, or like you said, or when it comes to something like Split, this like kind of contained isolation horror, like hostage situation, but then turns into being a monster movie, even though it's about a, you know, human person. Oh, I, I think this, what you were just saying about how The Sixth Sense is a ghost film that doesn't focus so much on the ghost film aspect of it, really ties into what Zoe was talking about before and how horror can be from negative emotions that are explored in a very specific way. So I, I think Shyamalan does a great job with exploring tragedy and tragic characters, mm-hmm. but showing you the horror of tragedy. So not just, oh, it's sad and we will cry with you, but also exploring the fact that it's nightmarish sometimes to go through, uh, say, the village. I see it kind of like a film that's all about gaslighting because you're teaching everybody about a reality that's not true. And when they find out the end of it, it just shatters around them. Same with The Sixth Sense. Uh also happens in that film actually but the guy kind of does it to himself so uh, i i think that that's where that contention also comes into play is that people are kind of honing in on one aspect very strongly you know yeah i like that you uh, mentioned the tragedy angle because that's something that's usually not associated as much with him um but he definitely and because he also like seems to play with comedy, whether whether he's intending it or not, sometimes. Um, but something like uh, the village is like, uh, just as in terms of like the atmosphere that it um, builds in, is like super super scary and like suspenseful, and um, you know, and playing with the idea of mysteries and like you know a lot of the times yeah where where do mysteries fall. Um, in this conversation of, you know, horror, not horror, um, you know, and then going back to, I wanted to like kind of go into the uh, crime and um, a little bit of extreme range a little bit. So uh, I can get Zoe to weigh in on. So how many uh, Takashi Miike films have you seen? I have, um, I've seen a few. I've seen the extreme ones, but I know that he's got a ridiculous filmography of something I think it's nearing on a hundred so if you look at that it's probably you know a very small percentage but I've seen the the big name films of his let's put it that way yeah and uh, a lot of his films I've I've noticed you know kind of fall into this uh, crime category and then like in between like the crime and extreme realms um, just because the these films they i mean are grounded but they all exist in just like his version of reality <laughs> and of the world so things can just like you know a movie will seem like normal for like you know even like 3 quarters of the film and then just like in the last 15 minutes everybody turns into a cartoon character and like like things just like go off the rails 
Um, so yeah, slowly working, um, working through some more of his films, but like, um, you know, I covered films such as like Ichi the Killer and that's one that's like, okay, this is like kind of just like his take on a mobster movie, but at the same time, just like, like the imagery of, uh, some of the film and, um, just, uh, the way that the violence is portrayed. Like, I mean, the violence is so, so ridiculous, this guy has a blade in the back of his foot and he chops people's heads off by doing roundhouse kicks <laughs> and it's and it's wholly ridiculous but just like and it's played almost for like laughs but at the same time it's just like by the end of this movie the amount of bodies that have piled up at the end of this movie is quite staggering and there's also you know um subjects of like you know the way that he displays uh, kind of violence and like sexual violence against women and stuff in his films is obviously something that's going to invoke fear for women when you're like kind of watching for things like that as well. So, um, Takashi Miike, um, you know, is he a horror director? It's hard to say just because of the sheer numbers, like you said, of his of his films. But, um, in terms of the way that he creates imagery and uh these like outlandish scenes because uh like nolan said earlier like horror doesn't have rules and i think he like kind of takes that mentality and puts it towards you know the crime uh in action genre yeah and i mean i guess for me he when when he does you know venture into because i think he's a director that you know he likes to dabble in a little bit of everything to be honest um and that comes across in in the sense that his filmography filmography is so vast um but he's quite similar to me to someone like david lynch in the fact that they almost have kind of their own sub genre that they create within and they don't adhere to what is supposed to be the stereotype of a particular type of film they just kind of go I want to make this I'm going to do what I want with it you know you think of um, Audition for example the majority of that film is is kind of like a love story I'll be a little bit messed up mm-hmm. um, you know not not your conventional kind of love story but but it is it's not until the very very kind of last part of the film um that you really get into the the fear of it you know yes you you see asami uh, being quite strange in a couple of places but it's very very minor you know the majority of the film is not really that scary until you kind of get towards the end and then you've got something like a uh, visitor queue which I didn't find that frightening but I was like this makes me sick and Takeshi Miike said that it's a comedy I was like I don't find this funny <laughs> I was like I want to cry watching this this is horrible like absolutely one of the horriblest films I've ever watched so to me that is definitely a horror film because I was like, there's, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's breast milk and there's rape and there's shit and there's everything extreme going on in there. And he was like, oh yeah, it's just comedy. No, no, seriously, it is not funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike is a, he's a demented guy, uh, to put it lightly. And um, I like what you mentioned about audition. Um that was another movie I'd watched for the first time a few months ago. And yeah, like, cause it, it's kind of like when you think about like, does a movie have to have 
and like how much of a movie has to be you know horror to kind of throw it in the horror realm because like I mean like I knew that most of the stuff didn't come until the end but like I didn't know it's literally only the last like 18 minutes of this movie is like anything I mean there's a little there's a few glimpses of it um earlier throughout the film but like not much uh, yeah, it's a this it's a it's a quirky romance movie until it's not. And then and so it's like, yeah, does a movie have to, you know, ex- exude these elements for like a like an amount of time or not an amount of time or just like how much elements does it need to have in it, you know, to kind of put it in this category. Um, but, you know, Mikesha was like in audition, like you can pack a lot of that into just a very short amount of time and then it kind of changes your whole perception on the film that you just watched so interesting uh director there and then i did go to um the the twitter verse and throw it out there to you guys and um i asked people to submit films that they would debate whether or not they are horror or not Got lots and lots of uh, interesting responses um, from past guests and others as well. So I just have a random list of this. We're going to like kind of rapid fire these bad boys and see how many of these films we can squeeze in. So this first one is very interesting because this is one I would have proposed as well. And I'm going to do an episode on this movie at some point in the future. Um, Prince Jackson throughout. Requiem for a Dream. Darren Aronofsky has a few films that could be thrown into the horror realm. He will say that Black Swan is a horror film. He has said that himself. Um, He's also got Mother, which will also get its own episode at some point. Uh, Greg Mucci threw out Mother. Um, So with either of these Aronofsky films, but specifically Requiem for a Dream, um, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts. It's definitely horrifying. Yes. Like, uh, I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream for a while, but it's one of those movies where I watched it once and then I'm like, I don't ever have to watch that again. <laughs> it's just, uh, I suppose it's, if I'm going to say Requiem for a Dream is a horror for its subject matter with how it deals with like drug abuse and everything like that, you could you could kind of put train spotting in the same sort of scenario. Except I think, you know, trade spotting is a bit more quirky and funny because, you know, you and McGregor and Scotland, that's us for you. Uh, but uh, Requiem for a Dream, I would definitely consider horror, but more on the lines of like dramatic horror than like uh, a fantastical or a thriller horror or anything. It's it's kind of the movie of like showing a horrifying situation and the horror comes from it just playing out and you get all the uncomfortable details with it. Yeah, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, if you've ever thought about doing heroin, just watch this movie once. You'll never want to. Not even once. Um, I think I've watched this movie twice, because, yeah, like you said, um, you don't need more of that in your life. It is like, but it's like, it's a painful movie to watch. Like, in just like watching these characters make these terrible decisions and like kind of knowing what um what extremes somebody will go to for to you know just to get a drug fix like 
and I almost got shades of that in um, recently um, watching Cherry, the the new um, Russo brothers movie with Tom Holland. Like I still I haven't did, seen it. Um, it's it's a lot, but it, like I didn't uh, expect it to be so like visually like horrific. Like watching like the things that they're doing while um shooting up and stuff like i i didn't realize like how much of that was gonna be the movie and it definitely has some uh, shades of requiem for a dream maybe not as dark and bleak um because like requiem for a dream literally just like steals your soul at the end of the film and like and it's it's terrible like the way it makes you feel um is absolutely like terrifying to me and um and and it does play with like some some surreal ish elements with uh ellen burston's character and like her uh psychological break that she has um is so like sad but also like scary as well so um definitely we'll talk about um darren aronofsky films in the future maybe he'll get his own month too because i i like his films a lot um one that um i saw thrown out by a couple names um, but TJ Dex throws out the Terminator, the the first one specifically. I I look at it as a slasher myself. Like, yes, it definitely is a slasher movie. It has all the tropes of a slasher movie, and but that's the Terminator is kind of more sci-fi horror. But a lot of people don't think of it as sci-fi horror anymore. I think not because of that movie, but because of the way the Terminator franchise went after that. You know, after T2 was successful, they all just basically became action movies. Mm-hmm. And then we got, like, Genesis and Salvation and everything. But that first movie definitely has all the aspects of, like, the final girl, the monster stalking them, the sort of creepy secluded town. And it's it's one of those elevator pitches that, can, you know, just can't, you can imagine just selling to an exec in a room and them just being completely sold by it. And you can take it in many different ways. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, James Cameron, when he talked about the Terminator and his story of science fiction, how he got inspired for that story has always fascinated me. Like, he said he had a nightmare of, like, a metal skeleton rising from flames. Mm. And then the next day he wrote the Terminator. And I, I think that's the kind of inspiration that, you know, it's one of those things that just, you have one idea and you play it out to its full potential and... You know, it worked. I, I would definitely put Terminator up as a horror film. Oh yeah, like, uh, yeah. I the the way, uh, Arnold's like performance even like feels like very much like similar to like playing like he he's like Mike Myers without a mask. Uh, and the way that they shoot him and the way that they present the Terminator is definitely just like this simple like on the run thing. And then they kind of did like how aliens pivoted to like okay now we're gonna go action horror because i would say t2 is even kind of in there too because it's i mean you know the same thing these stalker elements as well but they just added a lot more action to t2 um so another one that i've seen come up quite often is um you know because of course when it comes to horror comedies um, it will always debate whether they fall more into the horror camp, whether they fall more into the comedy, because they rarely try to be like perfectly balanced, you know. And I think that's usually the better way to approach a horror comedy is like kind of commit one way or the other, but you can still have both, obviously. 
Um, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a, um, you know, most people think of as a comedy, um, you know, kind of a family film. Um, people say it's not scary, but it's like, I mean, it includes, it's about ghosts. It's in the name, you know? So it's like one of those things, it's like, if you automatically have ghosts, does that make it a horror movie? I'm really happy that you brought this one up, actually, because uh, I've wondered for ages why a lot of people don't find it a horror movie. <laughs> Just thinking yeah. about, you know, as a kid, it, it scared the absolute shit out of me. So, um, you know, yeah, there's some funny stuff in it. I think it's almost a perfect comedy. You got the Stay Puft Man, which is really funny. But I mean, those hellhounds are just absolutely freaky uh i what was it like just zool coming out of the refrigerator and the eggs cracking and stuff like you get some proper poltergeisty fucked up interdimensional horror in this movie and uh more so than any of the other ghostbuster movies that we've gotten so far they all seem to like lean more heavily into the the comedy aspect of it and the special effects but this one the first one uh I mean, ask any casual fan of Ghostbusters and say like, hey, what about that librarian scene and see how they respond. And I, I just feel like the, the response is the same that you get with a lot of 80s horror movies. I definitely agree with that. It's it's kind of in a similar vein of Jurassic Park being a horror film to me. It's like sort of like that haunted house thrill ride genre of horror, which I'd also I'd consider that with the newest version of it as well. Like, uh the Ghostbusters and Jurassic Park and all those movies, they feel like the horror equivalent of going through a haunted house, which like they may not scare you as an adult, but as a kid, it's the kind of horror that you're going to remember later on. And it's one of those things that could maybe sort of solidify your passion for horror. And another one I'll throw out there that did that for me, Scooby-Doo kind of falls into that camp as well. Oh, yeah. I think anyone who watched Scooby-Doo as a kid is probably a horror fan right now. Yes, um, that is a uh, super accurate comparison between uh, Scooby-Doo and Ghostbusters. Um, I guess when you think about it, like in Scooby-Doo, how it's like never actually the actual thing until the animated movies later. But it's always just a person in a mask. So it's like, does, you know, it's like Ghostbusters would almost be more horror than Scooby-Doo when you think about it. And interesting, Chandler, they said that uh, all the other Ghostbusters kind of lean more towards the comedy, which I definitely would say, um, except for Ghostbusters 2, I think, is a lot spookier. Um, people, I don't get why people hate it. Like, I get if you don't like it, maybe, or don't like it as much as the first one, but I don't get why people hate Ghostbusters 2, but I find it very spooky, though, um, Vigo is, like, really scary. It's about a haunted painting, a possessed painting um i love i actually love ghostbusters too but anyways um a a interesting one that i didn't even think about um this was suggested by jared rivet um he threw out no country for old men hmm the coen brothers classic like is anton sugar is he a slasher i mean he's like a or but then would you call any mobster enforcer like in any other movie a slasher you know so it's like no country for old men is this it's a pulpy crime noir at heart hmm i've not seen it <laughs> oh you haven't seen it oh you no. should change that it's really good it's really really good <laughs> i i haven't seen it in a while but i remember seeing it and it has it, there's some parts in it are quite scary but not for it's not like a horror 
scary it's just kind of like that you know I mean anything to do with like gangsters or mobsters or um, you know like a, a bounty hunter or anything kind of within that realm has an element of of you know fright to it because it's like oh yeah that wouldn't be very nice but I think it's I don't know I just it just doesn't feel like there's quite enough for it to be kind of horror I mean it's an amazing film and I really loved it but it was a bit I don't know I, I think it just doesn't quite fall into the horror realm I'm I was I'm actually surprisingly with you there like I was like <laughs> I, I wanted to say yes I was like I was like mm? I was like I don't know like I would describe this movie as aggressively gritty more than anything um and does that put it in a horror category and i was like and anton is like a very fascinating character but mm, uh, yeah i was i was like i he even has a weird signature weapon ah, ah, i mean he's kind of a slasher ah, i don't know but, but then do we want to but... s- see javier bardem play leatherface yes yes <laughs> well, yeah, of yes. course that's you know absolutely we yeah. want that Whoa. <laughs> my mind oh man that's amazing wow, no you can't you can't give us hope like that oh man uh but uh, that's uh so what, what were you saying though joey Zoe, sorry um i was just gonna say i guess if you go down the route of like saying it's horror i feel like then you know you're almost kind of like well um is something like breaking bad horror you know because there's lots Mm -hmm. of similar kind of characters Mm. in that that you know Mm. have you know cartel members they certainly have like signature ways that they kill people so that other gang members know that they were the person that murdered someone but are they a? Mm. I mean, are they a serial killer, potentially? But we, you don't really call them that. Are, could they be seen as kind of like a, yeah, like a Michael Myers type character? I kind, I guess, if you really wanted to go down that route. But I think it's, 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 it's pushing it. But we could, we could, mm. if it means that uh, Yavia Bardem can be, um, you know, in a slasher movie, we we call everything horror then. <laughs> True, true. I mean, I guess you have to draw the line somewhere. I say that begrudgingly, but uh, that that was a really good one. That was like, ooh, that that definitely uh, challenges it as well. Um, Ren Crane had a pretty solid list. Um, we already mentioned the village on here, um, but they threw out um one that I thought was interesting. Um, Hard Candy or something like Irreversible as well. Um, they had on their list and uh, Human Centipede I think that's an interesting one but uh, Hard Candy kind of stood out to me Um, but what about you guys anything on that list Zoe, I think I, this is your camp. <laughs> I I know that when Ren actually tweeted that, I, I tweeted um, them back and was like, that's just a list of my favourite movies now. I was like, you're just putting them all in there, right? Um, I, I, I say yes, um, you know, like as someone that watches a lot of um, extreme films, you know, something like Irreversible, uh, at the moment I've been looking at a lot of new French extremity films and, you know, you look at something like Irreversible, if you also look at something like um, you have 29 Palms, Fat Girl, 
they're they're very unconventional horror films but you know like fat girl for instance it's you know essentially it's to film um about a very young girl being manipulated by a much much older boy and being forced into sex you know and then Mm. at the end there is a horrific crime that happens which is unrelated but horrific there's a rape you know and you're kind of going well is it horror I mean that to me is frightening that frightens me like to see a young girl manipulated by an Mm -hmm. older man similar to hard candy you know it's it's about pedophilia which i think is one of the true horrors of the world and it's is it not frightening that those kinds of things happen in real life that's 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 to me that's more frightening than a ghost because i'm like well a ghost might exist he might not yes he's kind of scary because you know that you know the thought of that obviously frightens me but to think of those kind of more real world horrors like irreversible you know where there's such a horrific rape scene that for someone you know as a woman I often walk alone at night I might get a think of irreversible and I'm like holy shit that's terrifying so I would absolutely say they are some of the most frightening horror films because they're they're awful in what they depict yeah I would I would definitely agree like that's something I've thought about a lot recently is like you know a lot of films that you know include sexual violence of some sort of nature is you know the a prime example of you know something playing to a very specific fear to a very specific you know person watching it and so it's like you know a lot of people say you know comedy is very subjective because what you think is funny somebody else doesn't think is funny but it's literally the exact same thing for horror you know um something is going to scare someone so much more when they can relate to it a little bit more versus you know someone else and you might not think of movies that include like you know um rape scenes to be like as horror it's not something you think about as far as like you know um whether it be in like something you know bloody or violent but then it's also just like it's something completely different and when you think about fear from someone else's perspective then it's like oh my god like this is literally like Zoe said like one of the most terrifying things you can think of so it's it's interesting territory I think it's also interesting you know what makes a difference with a lot of these contentious films is just what is it focusing on and how is it focusing on it so you know with uh, the case of like Irreversible or Hard Candy those films are designed to make you focus on these horrific aspects especially Hard Candy does it with a nice kind of subversion and twist about halfway through the film to make you go like no this was not the movie that you thought it was going to be and it's absolutely not the uh, type of horror that you thought it was going to be we're going to make you think about a topic that you're not comfortable with and uh you take but let's look at like no country for old men what makes that different from say silence of the lambs is how silence of the lambs the whole way through is focusing on clarice's trauma and focusing on the psychology of evil people and how they don't really have much of a psychology throughout the film you can't really negotiate with these people they are just developed in a way according to the story of course uh, developed in a way that is pretty one note uh, which is terrifying throughout the film but no country for old men there's a lot of motivation through a lot of the crime and although i will say it's one of the most tense movies i've ever seen and it plays with tension better than a lot of horror movies does in some instances uh at the end of the film you're just kind of like 
damn, you know, Tommy Lee Jones had a bad day. You know, they really go for that <laughs> gruff cop kind of problem at the end of the movie. You just feel like you feel for him at the end of the film more than you're really scared that Javier Bardem is still out there or something like that. And at the same time, you're also not exploring his motivations too much. You know, they could always do a sequel with the exact same character and just explore his bloodlust. And you have a horror film right there in your hands if you were to do it that way. Um, I also think that just because a movie can or is horror, or can be and is horror, doesn't negate it being another genre. And I think that's an important part of the discussion as well. I mean, of course, Silence of the Lambs is a really good thriller. It's also a decent horror film, in my opinion. So both can be just as strong. Yes. I'll I'll say this on Hard Candy. It's I haven't seen it in like 10 years, but it's one of those things that I love about horror is where it, it's kind of an actor showcase. And that was one of the first movies, I think, where I saw Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson are both fucking good actors. And I, I think horror would definitely be less taboo if like we stopped being afraid to talk about these subjects and hard candy, like especially like forces you to kind of confront it and to analyze it in a way that it, so a lot of people will think about pedophilia as like, Oh, that'll never happen to me. But like, especially in the UK here, you'll see it happens a lot behind closed doors. And I think these kind of movies do a good job in shedding a light on it. And, you know, once again, Elliot Page and uh, Patrick Wilson, they completely nail just how uncomfortable and how horrifying those things can be whilst giving really intense performances. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, 100%. I, I rewatched it not too long ago and I was like, man, this is a lot better than I remember. Um, and it, it definitely, yeah, like it kind of falls in that category. And then, um, I would, I was about to compare it to a movie and then I just lost it. Oh, right. Um, when you're, um, I was kind of thinking about, um, with a promising young woman recently was one that I was even, I was like, Hmm, is, is this horror? And it's like in the way that's presented in maybe not, I don't, because if, if, if she was going on this, you know, uh, revenge path, and like at the same time there was like also like a guy that was like going around like attacking women she's like trying to chase this guy down maybe i would put in that category but in the way that it's addressing just the past trauma and dealing with it like in a you know later time um i don't know it's like it's where does that one fall in almost so um it's interesting it's all it's all within context um or or like Chandler said like you know like <laughs> I like how you mentioned um Tom Lee Jones just like having a bad day like um I saw a few uh, movies that were mentioned that are just like kind of these like very just like kind of tense situations um movies like Green Room or uh 10 Cloverfield Lane um or movies that are just like shockingly violent like uh, Bone Tomahawk you know, where do, uh, you know, movies that just, like, you know, kind of have these, like, bursts of, like, very real violence, um, or, um, or cell, uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99, that's another one that'd be, like, interesting to, uh, look at, like, it's, um, 
you know, context is very important. But like you said, uh, like Chandler said, um, it doesn't have to be exclusively, you know, horror. It can be something else and horror. And that's where I think like subgenres like really come into play. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just kind of going back to your your point on like promising young women, for instance, like it's not typically a horror film. But, you know, when I watched it, I was like, to me, this is this is a horror film. Like, again, it just kind of um, it broaches that that real life horror. And I think, you know, I think horror is the one genre um, out there that is a place where we can confront certain things that are really hard to to confront, kind of like what you were saying, Nolan, about um, the fact that you know in hard candy you talk about like there's pedophilia which is a taboo subject it's within horror that I think that we can explore things like grief and trauma and guilt and family problems and abuse and all of these really tough to break down subjects which you can't really put them in a different genre Um, I think it's quite difficult to do that I mean you know if you do a a comedy film about trauma that's that's going to be a very dark comedy and it's probably you know either going to make some people laugh because they're like this is so horrifically wrong or it's just going to go down like a lead balloon um you know again in a lot of love films you you wouldn't see them probably tackling grief properly not in a way that really gets under your skin and kind of makes you go oh god this is this is what grief is like just in a a horror setting so I think you know for a lot of those films it all depends again like you said Devon on on the subjectivity of it like you know I watched something like Promising Young Woman and I was like to me that's a horror film because it's like the real everyday horror of things that we go through on a daily basis like it gets under my skin it evokes so many emotions I think you know watching that film I'm pretty sure I cried like six times because I was like I'm so overwhelmed by how horrifying I'm finding this um but it's not typical you know in like if someone asked me for a horror film I wouldn't recommend that to them because I don't think they would go oh yeah that's kind of like a horror film so I think it's such a complex genre that's that's the thing it's so complex yeah and I, I remembered the the initial connection that I wanted to make between hard candy and um promising young women is exploring um you know when horror movies kind of explore morality of a character as well you know and making you kind of make yourself answer tough questions in your head while you're watching is a interesting like angle um because like again it's like kind of putting you in like a distressing situation but just like kind of mentally you know of thinking to yourself like oh what is this okay what's happening what this person's doing is it not okay you know in uh kind of tackling those subjects so that was like the little connection i had in my head there but um to kind of close it out as we mentioned, um, you know, subgenres and how complex it can be, and um, this is this is for funsies because we're all very the the guests I have here are very mature, but I've seen this conversation uh, die divulge into madness many a times, um, so more I just kind of want your overall thoughts on the 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 ever classic horror versus thriller conversation. 
when is a horror movie a thriller? When's a thriller movie a horror? When's a thriller just a thriller? Are thrillers even a thing? Uh, for me, thriller is just the subgenre of horror. That that's all I see it as. It's kind of like I'm gonna give you a very weird comparison here because that's the kind of guy I am. It's kind of like how I view different terms in like uh, queer language, like the difference between bisexual and pansexual. They kind of mean the same thing, but it's just about like what term you'd rather use. So. I don't see any point in gatekeeping it. Like if someone wants to call a thriller movie, a thriller or a horror movie, a thriller or whatever, if that's what they think, fair enough, just let them have it. But for me, I've always just seen thriller as a subgenre of horror and not as a way to like put down horror films or assume that they're less than or whatever than that. The, the way that I look at it and I've, I've mentioned this on a different episode, but I think I messed it up whenever I mentioned it on a past episode, but the way that I tried to explain it. Let me make sure I get my words right here. This is actually not as complex as I'm building it up to be. But um, every square is a rectangle. Um, rectangles are not squares. Um, I guess is one way you could think of it. Uh, horror movies are the rectangles. Um, the, the thrillers are squares. Because I think. Because I don't think thrillers exist on their own. I think they are always going to be paired with another subgenre that really dictates where it falls. But I don't think thrillers like really because like when you think of like an action thriller, it's like is that out of the horror camp? No, uh, I don't know. Depends on the gratuitiveness of the violence. Um, but you know, uh. I think it's hard for thrillers just to like exist on their own thing, but I don't like it. I think there is a standard thing where people will call something a thriller because they don't want to call it a horror movie because they're above horror movies. They don't, you know, do stupid, scary movies, but they like thrillers. But it's like thrilling is still making you uh, respond in a way, you know? thrillers are making you either think in a tense manner or they're gonna like get your uh you know they're gonna get your heart racing a little bit or thrillers tend to be the more realistic ones as well as opposed to horror has like you know maybe uh non-realistic um elements to it as well so i don't know i think that's where where i sit i'm not sure i'm gonna go out and say that i think uh thrillers are, are for people that are too afraid to really commit to the horror films it's like the it's like horrors for wimps to be honest um (laughs) it's like what my friends when they're trying to be edgy they're like oh my god i watched this really frightening thriller last night and i'm like why don't you just put on a horror film like just just watch something decent don't don't half-ass it just watch a bloody horror film no (laughs) that's the most english answer i've ever heard to that question (laughs) I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's definitely the people like when you say like, oh, do you like horror movies? And they go, no, but I really like psychological thrillers. I'm like, it sounds like you like horror, but you're just like not, you know, swimming out to the deep end. Like you're you're just playing around in the kiddie pool. But are these people usually wearing like cashmere sweaters and scarves while they say that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> typing typing a screenplay at a coffee at a coffee shop, it's it's always them. 
but not a screenplay the next great american novel <laughs> yes <laughs> you know books those things uh what about you chandler what do you think Okay, I'm going to be the contentious one here then. Um, I do find that thrillers are their own thing, but I do feel that we've gotten to a point where I agree with all three of you in that how people treat horror and treat thrillers, that most of the time when you hear somebody talk about a thriller, indeed, it's the way to just talk about a movie that pretty much a horror movie that was just a really good one. Then they just don't want to talk about they saw a really good horror movie. So like, yeah, this amazing thriller from Ari Aster is really great. And then you oh, come on, man. Just like, you know, it's not in that section at the store. Come on. But when I think of thrillers, I have a very specific thought in mind. But I'm thinking like, I hope that you understand what I'm going to say with this. But it's like uh, Morgan Freeman movies from the late 90s are often thrillers. You have like your Kiss the Girls, Double Jeopardy. You know, Tommy Lee Jones was in a lot of stuff like that. And I feel that if a film has like a lot of intrigue and keeps you kind of interested and you do feel that kind of like time pressure that's going on whether it kind of breaches over into action into horror or anything else i do think that is a genre in and of itself i just think that that genre isn't really given a lot of love in the industry anymore the way it could be because of the kind of subgenre like smashing in there in a very mcdonald's kind of way so <laughs> we don't really know what ingredients we have in our films sometimes let's put it that way uh and I do think a good thriller can be just isolated on its own and not have any semblance of horror to it at all. You're just kind of like, go and screaming at your, your screen for these people to not fail at whatever they're trying to accomplish. If you're, if you find attention in that, it's really fun. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, right now it's the term thriller in the kind of lexicon for, especially the internet, I do think has a different meaning than what I would classify as a thriller film sometimes. That's the best way that I can put it. So I feel the genre of the film has kind of lost its mm. uh, place at the uh, the video store. Let's put it that way. I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's tough. I mean, because I could I could say by your logic, you're yelling when you're saying a thriller, and that you're yelling yelling at the screen, go go go! You're wanting this to happen. Why are you wanting it to happen? It's because you're scared. You're scared for the characters. <laughs> and if you're scared, that means it's fear. And that means it's horror because that's what we said at the beginning of the episode. That's it. It's all horror, everybody. That's that's the end of the... Um, that's the consensus here is... Um, horror is a much more complex genre than people give it credit for. Um, and there's lots of ways that you could come at it. But I also like that horror in a way is, you know, so accessible to storytelling, you know, again, because there's kind of not any rules or limits to it. So it's interesting that a limitless genre, um, people like to try to put it into a box or into a certain form and look at it a certain way or, you know, discredit certain films. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, but obviously um, all the... Um, all of us today in this conversation are like, we all love horror, we love the genre, and we love, you know, the element to be able to bring um, just about any film that we want to consider a horror film into the genre. Um, so, that's about all I got for this episode. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on um, horror as a whole before we head out? It's the most complex genre there is, and give it more credit than you do. It's as simple as that, people. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to, um, you know, do something a little bit different for this episode. 
and um, kind of break things down a little bit. Um, so I appreciate having um, some past guests um, returning onto the show. Um, and this um, happened very smoothly. I was about to knock on wood and say, no, no Wi-Fi issues here. Shout out to you guys on having strong internet connections. Um, and, you know, that we are all strong internet connections. Uh, Zoe Smith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, where can the people find you? Thank you for having me. And also congratulations on the 50th episode because that's bloody awesome. Um, you can find me, Zobo with a shotgun on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and God knows where else on the internet. Um, and also over at Ghouls Magazine where we've got lots of uh, awesome articles by amazing writers. So do check that out as well. Yes, make sure I will have all that linked in the description of course everybody um uh zoe smith describing the most disgusting things with the loveliest voice always appreciate having you um nolan we uh, um we have conversations all the time i love uh talking with you and uh we got some uh, work to catch up on on some other matters but oh, um, yeah. uh, glad to have you uh back on the podcast and um you know in any capacity um where can the good people find you you can find me at nolandean27 on twitter nolandean writer on instagram and you can also find me in the kitchen later because tomorrow's sunday and zoe to any british person what does sunday mean it's easter i was no. gonna say i was gonna say roast dinner time but i'll get i'll take easter i don't i don't <laughs> eat roast dinner so there you go the non-english wow, you're surprising me here but uh Th thanks so much for having me on congratulations on 50 episodes devon that's incredible and uh look out for our slasher script skeletons in the closet that we're still working on uh, i will get to writing that script eventually it's it's an it's yeah things are happening I'm, i've been i've been writing some things but so yeah in the in the future guys there's gonna be a very queer slasher movie coming out it's it's like overwhelmingly queer it's amazing i love it and um, last but not least, Mr. Chandler Bullock, glad to have you back on the show, um, diving into um, some of the, um, you know, uh, more intricate areas of the conversation that we had today. Um, you were more contrarian than I thought you were going to be in this episode, which I appreciate, though. I very much appreciate it. Where can the people find you? Uh, first off, thanks so much for having me again. Always a delight to talk to you and to, to all of you. you it's a fantastic conversation. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore shockaholic. And you can find my uh, blurbs, bylines, things like that at ghoulish media and at morbidly beautiful. And uh, I too have some projects, at least one on the way that I wish I could say more about, but uh, just, just keep an eye out uh, for something quite interesting in the future. And Hey, here's to 50 more and plus uh, of these episodes because you're absolutely killing it, Devon. Um, you know, the more the merrier when it comes to your show. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate all the sweet words. And yeah, we'll see if we can go another 50 and um, see, see how long we can keep this train going, keep this blunt rolling. And just before we go, a couple more announcements. <gasps> Hey, hey, present day Devon here. Um, th so this episode was recorded like a long time ago, like, uh, like, I don't know, March, April, May, somewhere in there. It was all a blur. 
But, um, so I don't really remember what other announcements I had whenever I said that at the end of the episode. Whatever. But I did want to take a moment just to thank you guys uh, once again. Just anybody that's listened or retweeted or has come on the show, of course. Like, just I want to give a big thank you to, like, anyone that has supported the show in one way or another. Like, the show wouldn't be what it is without, um, you know, people that are involved with it as well. So I did just want to give a thank you to anyone that has uh, listened as I've, you know, made the podcast 50 episodes. And, I mean, I still have recorded even more than that, which will be coming out soon, of course. But just want to say that you guys fucking rule. Um, I love doing this podcast. And uh, hopefully, you know, go for another 50 episodes or, you know, even longer than that. We'll see. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the Evil Dead series uh, next week, talking the 2013 remake. So get pumped for that. And then um, after that episode, we will just get all of those unreleased episodes. So um, I think we'll start with the queer horror episodes. So uh, yeah, I'm happy that the podcast is going strong again. Uh, I do want to give a special shout out to Warren Bedensky for um, editing this episode. He has helped me in um, editing some of the um, older episodes that I couldn't get to. So big shout out to him. He will also be a guest on the show in December. Um, So big, big thank you to Warren for editing this episode. Um, And lastly, if you guys could just do me a big, big favor and go on to your podcast listener of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts, Rate the podcast five stars. Give us a nice little review so that way the show can continue to grow over these next 50, 100, 200 episodes. But that is going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We'll be covering 2013 Evil Dead next week, so don't miss that. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at BloodyBluntCC and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.